let's, uh, let's thank God. Dear Lord God, we're grateful to have too much from you to consciously absorb, Lord. We'd ask that you would just give us a sense of a sense of worship in that thanksgiving for all that we have. In your son's name, amen. Sometimes, um, and you have to, I, I apologize for some of this. Um, I get thinking about things, you know, lying in the tub, or I, I will be with somebody, they will say something, the proverbial light bulb will go off and I'm scrambling around for a piece of paper. I was doing that this morning. I was having coffee out on the back porch thinking about the sermon and something came up but I had nothing to write with and I had no paper. And I'm running around the kitchen looking for a post-it note. But that's my life. That's how I, that's how I uh, get on with life. And so sometimes, more often than not, sermons are coming out of those moments or conversations that you're in where something struck you enough that you personally noted it, whether the other person noted it is not so much. And today's no different. I was in a conversation a few nights ago with a, well, probably an unbeliever, out on the front porch, just the two of us, and we were, we were talking about um, passage in John, first John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And we were talking about the nature of the Logos, the, the Word, and what he, he was going, well, what is that, what is, what's the Apostle John saying? So it's been on my mind. We talked about it for quite a while, and then it's been on my mind since. And you say, well, that's not this passage. We're in John 5 today. But I'm in John 5 because something I mentioned in the conversation with this young man was um, leveraged off of John 1. It's on the side here on the left-hand side. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. All right, it's a wonderful passage. A little bit, you might say, poetic. The fact that he's calling Jesus. You know it's Jesus, right? It's called the Word. I mean, Logos School here in town, some of you people go or taught there or been there, went there. That's where the Word comes from, Logos School, the Logos. Because Christ is the Word. Now, I, I'm not a Greek scholar, not a Hebrew scholar, not a... I sit in my tub and think things. So you're going to get the, the benefits of that tub regarding... What do we even mean when we say word? Because there's something going on 
that we just take for granted because we don't examine it. And that is the nature of language, because a few nights before this other conversation, I was a group of about 18 people on the front porch, we were talking about language and the source of language. Should intrigue you. Now, when it says that Christ is the word in John 1, and there was nothing was made of anything that was made without him. He was that which made it. And you think back to the creation. You said, in the beginning, God made heaven and earth. The Lord said, let there be light. We got, that came up in that other conversation about language. The Lord said, to whom, in what language did he say, let there be light? Well, that might be a childish question. You know, was it, I don't know, Slovenian? Anything that is a currently a language today is Hebrew because that's, you know, Bible language. But for us as Christians, the important thing about our Christ is that we see him as the word. Important for Far more important than your belief in a literal six-day creation, which I am a literal six-day creationist, young earth. That's where I, you know, you can be someplace else if you want. We look at the gospel, we look at creation, we look at the judgment at the end of the world, and we, if we start thinking in terms of who Christ is as the word, we begin to see how important this is. Because you don't, really acknowledge how important your own word is. And this is where I start. I hope I, I, hope I don't just create confusion. Um, when Christ is the word of God, more than this is the word, this is just a an echo, okay? This isn't the word. Christ is the word. And this is the recording of elements of the word of God. And so we call it the word of God. There's dangers to that. We'll get to that in a bit. Let's start. I don't want to get too far without going into the text here. John 5, 16. This is why the Jews persecuted Jesus, because he did this on the Sabbath. Go back and read earlier if you want to know what the problem was. But Jesus answered them, my father is working still, and I am working. This is why the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also called God his father, making himself equal with God. This is the guy that John had said was the word and was God. He announced that at the beginning of the book, five chapters earlier. So the Jews are saying, yeah, he just made himself equal with God, and John says to you, the reader, yeah, we all know that. But it's in the things Jesus says, right? My father is working still, and I am working. God is his father. He is equal to God. Verse 19, then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing for whatever he does, that the Son does likewise. He's not helping the argument here, basically. 
He says, let me make that identification more exact. You said, just because I said I was the son of God, I was making myself equal with God. Let me just say, I am the mirror image. Let me just say, I am the recording device that what God said, what God does, I do. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. So not only do I do what the father is doing, the father cares enough about that connection that he shows me everything he's doing. And greater works than these shall he show him that you may marvel. Now, what we're facing with the Christ. Now, as you know, I'm a, I'm a reasonably conservative individual. Um, I believe the Bible is inspired word of God. Without error and everything it affirms in the original autographs. I, I could say the orthodox thing about it. But I was telling this young man a couple nights ago that you really got to care about who you are seeking, not whether or not these are the holy books of Christianity. Because people who believe these are the holy books of Christianity can be really difficult. One, they can't get along with each other. But two, they haven't been seeking the word himself. We are the ones that need to parse out what, before the Bible existed, because these people that are getting John, they didn't have a Bible, they didn't have Bible studies. They had the gospel preached. They might have gotten a letter, a copy of a letter from somebody in Colossae. But they sought Jesus Christ because Christ puts himself forward as something. Now, when you, I don't know when to, there are things that are coming out of this equality of God with Christ, the creation, God's voice speaking the universe into existence. I almost was thinking, as a side thought, I was almost thinking, you know, what? There is nothing, right? With creation, a Christian doctrine is creatio ex nihilo. Creation out of nothing. Well, there's nothing there. What's, what's God's power working on? Right? What's, what's the stuff? You gotta make stuff out of nothing. How does the power, everything we understand about power? I started thinking, you know, the Word of God. The, any word, your word, is, what do you see? You're walking, somebody in your neighborhood, we're sitting on the porch, somebody walking down the street, talking, by themselves, talking. Now you watch to see if they stagger a little bit, because then you go, oh, they're drunk or they're crazy, talking to themselves. Nowadays, if they're not staggering and not drunk, you look for the Bluetooth, right? Because they're talking very, you know, still silly, but there, you, you figure, you know, if you're talking, there's someone hearing, right? Well, when God speaks, there better be something that hears. It's almost as if light had better show up. When he said, at his infinite power, let there be light, the voice of God is so much more necessary to be heard than any other heard voice. So something better come into existence to hear it. 
that's just a sort of a poetic idea on the side. Doesn't mean it's true. But all of your communications, your communications, your words, everybody who taught you in college, everybody who, who your kids you talk to reading, you know, breakfast cereal boxes to them, um, you're crossing us a distance with sound. Christ is the word of God. And it's not just, again, a, oh, he's the religious voice. No, he's the word. He is the voice of God, not the voice of your husband or the voice of your wife or the voice of your kids, the voice of your sociology professor. Doesn't matter what voices there are out there. And the voice of Christ is being assured to you by Christ that he says, I don't say anything but what the Father has given me to say or do other than what he has shown me. So that you may marvel, verse 21, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. When you get down to brass tacks, we start to realize that the God who brings life into being has a voice, has a word, that he has given the power to, to exercise the same thing. It is a communication, an accurate communication. <clears throat> um, did I mention that uh, southern woman that cooks on TV, uh, internets? Some, did I mention her? At some point. I stumbled across her on the Facebook attractive blonde woman, I had no sound was going on, so I, she was cooking something in her kitchen, I think cornbread. I don't know what she said it was, but it didn't sound like cornbread because she was so Southern. I mean, I couldn't understand what she was saying. Smiling at the camera, talking English, I assume. We have to be conscious of the things, the source of the word and the words we use because everything you are doing in this life, every perception you're making, you're hearing, you know that warning in Isaiah that Christ quotes and Paul quotes, they shall indeed see but never perceive, they shall indeed hear but never understand. There's a real danger that we have words coming at us and sometimes just that our friends say something, you know, old like me, and somebody tells you their name, and you go, uh, what? Did you hear it? It's kind of a, a major crisis, because you know what? There are a lot of different agents in the universe. And between the agents, this is one of the grand miracles of Christianity, that God has made a world in which there are things that are wholly other, from you and from him. He's given life. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son even as they honor the Father. So there's, there are qualities about Jesus Christ being the Word of God that have taken on the mantle of everything he has done, everything he has said, the giving of life, the carrying out of judgment. In order, verse 23, that all may honor the Son even as they honor the Father. So, how you react to the word 
how you react to the person who walked into this uh, existence a couple thousand years ago and claimed to be the word of God. Not just a prophet who was going to say word of God sort of things in a Mahatma Gandhi sort of way, but claimed to be the voice of God as God, equal with God, sharing the God things, the creation, the judgment, the honor. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. That's sort of a crisis about this word. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who, listen to this, it's in red. You can hear it better when it's in red. He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. That just sort of dangles that salvific element right in front of you and say, it's a matter of whether you hear and whether you believe. So consequently, they indeed hear, but never understand is a problem. Do you believe what you heard? Stop and say, do I even hear what is being said? Now, to explain the lay of the land a little bit, because I, I, I'm wandering off on, on, on um, avenues. I've talked to some of you about, because we like talking about those things. But in this world, if you have the signal of your senses at all, you go, hmm, there is something that I call self that is not like everything else. Uh, there's a thing Evan sees as Evan. And there's that pew. Okay? which is not Evan. Evan is pretty convinced. The pulpit's not Evan. Pew's not Evan. Roy's not Evan. To say Roy is more important than the pew. But there's, there's self, and, and I put it here in the notes, there's, there's this and there's that. Now, the presumption about this and that, you being this and everything else being that, you wouldn't be able to say there is this and that unless there was something called in between. Right? Between Roy and me, the pew and me, there is something that lets this know that that exists. That if this is just the pew, I just need to know it exists so I don't you know, rack my shit on it when I walk by. With Roy, because he's a person, it's not that just that he exists, who it is that exists. What are the claims of that agent? I'm learning things about everyone. I have this, who you are, yourself, the other, everything not you, and the communication that is in between. Now, this next passage in verse 25 is sort of what was pushing me on that point. If you believe, if you hear, right, back in verse uh, 24, here's my word, believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. This is, a, this is a hand grenade thrown into your being because there's a lot of word out there. When you realize not only is there this and that, 
that means there's an awful lot of in-between. And everybody is filling up the in-between with the signal they want you to believe. We're in an election year. I don't know if you've noticed it. Okay? In the next couple of months, things are going to get a little dicey about who's going to try to fill your head. And I don't know what positions you hold. You know, if you need one, I'll give you one. But they're going to talk to you a lot. They're going to lie to you a lot. It's your job. And if it wasn't an election year, they'd be lying to you about toothpaste. Okay? And they'd be lying to you about insurance and reverse mortgages. Whatever the lies are going to be, there's, there, 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 oh, there's no silence. The in-between is filled. Because everybody needs to know what that is. So everybody's going to claim to be an authority of what that is. Truly, verse 25, if you value life over death, making this choice becomes uh, portentous, I guess is the word. Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That is right on the heels of he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He said the, the, the hour is coming. Now is when the dead will hear the voice of God. Now, it just informs you something about you. Because that's kind of an echo of what just said in verse 24. But identifies you, the that, the this, the hearer, as dead. In other words, needing to be alive. You've passed from death to life. The hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. It matters that you're listening to the word of God because he has been given all life. When it says of Adam, he breathed into Adam and he became a life-giving spirit. That is the God that we are looking at, the God who gives life. And his Son, Jesus Christ, the word of the God, is speaking the in-between between the God that has to be and this, you, yourself. But the problem is all those commercials about toothpaste. And really, you want to pay attention to that toothpaste question. It's a big one. Because if you don't, you're going to go to the dentist and that hygienist is going to be just really difficult. What do you smoke, Mr. Wilson? Oh, cigars. Well, let me get the sandblaster <laughs> so we care about things we care about a lot of things but you know what we surely should care about is the fact that we're dead and we're hearing the words of life from the word himself and that if I hear him and believe him the God he speaks for and speaks identically to will grant me life Verse 28, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming. He doesn't say, and now is. He said it in verse 25, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear and those that hear will live. 
Then he says, the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs. And it's not just a different way of saying the dead. Oh, you, could, you could view both these passages as just re-echoing the same thing. But it seems they're structured a little bit differently. There are people who are dead and will live because they have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people those are those who are dead actually, and the dead who will be called to life by the word of God. Because it says here, all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life. So it seems like it's more about your eschaton than it is about your, your, um, your response to the gospel, to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. It's saying everybody, everybody physically dead will be raised. But the time is now everyone of the dead who hears, those that hear are, be given, are given a life now that's eternal. So, it's a matter of hearing now or hearing later. If, those, if, those, if, that, if that analysis is a potential uh, acceptable one. Um, I either hear now as the dead and I am raised now to this newness of life, or we'll all hear as dead later and we'll all be raised and judged according to what we have done. He's faithful to the word of God. Verse 30, I can do nothing on my own authority as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will but the will of him who sent me. Remember, Have you ever, somebody was telling me about bringing their father home from an operation in Spokane and he'd been given some kind of <sighs> drugs and the entertaining conversations that were in the car on the way home. He had to drive his dad because his dad, of course, could not drive. And uh, you've seen those ones on video, the kid coming back from the tooth extraction or something like that. Entertaining times, good times, good times. Now, nobody likes to have that record of you speaking the nonsense you think you're saying that you're not. We want to have accuracy between the thought I am putting together in my head and the words coming out of my mouth. Christ is claiming that the words coming out of his mouth, what he represents... The in-between he is, because he is fully man and fully God. He is here as creator, in-between to say something to us. We want to know that it's what the God wants, because, as I said before, we're not trying to find Christianity. We're not trying to find whether or not I have a strong enough argument to believe in the Bible. I'm trying to find out whether I have found the God I want the God, and I want the God's in-between message. Because if you begin with theism, because you can't begin with atheism, that's you know, silly, childish sort of philosophy, but you, get into a deep, you can get into a natural theism, a natural, there has to be a God, and he has to be benevolent, and he has to be reasonable, all sorts of things about the natural argument for God. Because then you need to know what is his in-between. Does he care at all for what he has made? 
begin to realize that it seems to be that he does because you would have no judgment of evil and consequently no evil if he didn't. We all got a strong opinion that whoever you think are bad people need to be judged. You wouldn't have any sense of that. This word of this God echoes that kind of expectation. If I bear witness to myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness to me, and I know that the testimony which he bears to me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony which I receive is from man, but I say this that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony which I have is greater than that of John. For the works which the Father has granted me to accomplish, these very works which I am doing, bear me witness that the Father has sent me. He says, you know those things that you could not imagine doing except by magic? And I did them. Sure, I had a famous prophet named John the Baptist going, that's the Christ. Okay, thank you. But that might not be good enough for some of you. How about walking on water or raising the dead? or whatever Jesus did, even raising from the dead himself, which they knew he did. The testimony of the Father is that God made it clear that Christ was there in history as a miraculous answer to the claims that he was an agent, at least an agent of the God. If you had to admit he was an agent of the God because a prophet in the 700s B.C. prophesied at his coming 700 years later, and he came faithfully to that, and he steps forward and says, you know, you know I'm that agent, right? Now you're wondering, am I the prophet? Am I Elijah? Am I all these other things? He says, no, I am the son. The agent showed up and said, I'm the word of God. Do you understand what you're up against here? Because your whole life is sorting through the noise of all the in-between. Because everything is a commercial. Everything is making a claim. I'm making a claim right now. You notice I removed my glasses because that makes it more compelling. You say to yourself, he removed his glasses. Mostly because I can't see this unless I remove my glasses. But if I do this, I can see you. Or the word, or you, the word. I'll stick with the word. That was not an insult. You're all very attractive people. There's a lot going on. Because you're not just an automatic this, and that's an automatic that, and the in-between is, well, you know, just because. You don't get to do, be just because. This is, this is abstract philosophy, folks. You can't just let it go. You're making a claim about what you believe inside of you, about what's going on outside of you, that you don't feel a bit. You only have sensation, hearing, sight, smell. That's all you've got. And you got this load of in-between signals being thrown at you from various words, and you're going to believe your social professor? What a tool. You know, he's just an awful person. You know that. You're going to believe the commercial. 
Believe the Colgate commercials because it is a better toothpaste than Crest. Just saying. He says, I gave you some assurances. I came to earth and I did some miracles. You killed me anyway. Okay, I'll do one more. The Father who sent me has himself borne witness to me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him whom he has sent. It's beginning to knowing the God. If you want to know the God, not just know what Christianity is or know which group in Christianity you're going to join. Now, I'm a Christian minister, but I'm not here to sell Christianity. Christianity is an embarrassment sometimes. Christianity isn't Jesus Christ. Christianity isn't the God of gods. I've never seen him or heard him, but I'm starting to believe the people he has sent because I know that all that in between, all that noise that's given, there's going to be some out there from a benevolent, just God that speaks the benevolent and just God's power. Who is that going to be? Is it going to be the Maharishi Mahesh? Or is it going to be someone like Jesus Christ? Is it going to be Joseph Smith? No. For heaven's sake. That's what, once you say, who's the word of God? One, most of the contenders drop off right away. But if you've ever read the Quran, for heaven's sake. If you ever read the Book of Mormon, what a dull, dull go that is. He's no word of God. Jesus Christ, attended to with the miraculous, attended to by the prophetic utterances of hundreds of years of prophecy. We have to choose whether we're going to believe him who God has sent. The noise from God, the voice from God. You search the scriptures first. I have this bolded because we're Christians here and sometimes we get a little bit too... Uh, and I'm, I'm a firm believer what the Bible tells me to think. Okay? Just want to let you know. I believe things you don't want me to believe. Because I just like doing that. But I also don't like to see Christians stopping. As somebody, the illustration we was given the other night to this young man was, is the person who stops at the sign to Albuquerque, 14 miles, and thinks they've gotten to whatever Albuquerque is supposed to be. The pointing sign to God is not the thing you worship. It's not the place you spend, you want to spend the time knowing the God. You search the scriptures. And you see your shoulders go back, well, yes, I do. Thank you very much. No, he doesn't say something nice because you think that in them you have eternal life. We're not just talking about the Soch professor who's a tool. We're not just talking about the Colgate commercial. We're not just talking about all the wrong things politically that are being thrown at you. We're talking about the Bible. You think that in them you have eternal life. But what's more important about the Bible? And it is they that bear witness to me. The point is, I am being pointed to the true word of God by this 
echo of the word of God. The signpost through history said, oh, there's going to be a guy born of a virgin in Bethlehem who is almighty God, who is Emmanuel, God with us. The hints are pretty heavy. And he claims when he shows up that he is that guy. And then he does miracles to prove that he's got some kind of metaphysical juju. And you don't believe. You go back and you just craft yourself a nice Protestant Christianity out of your Bible and your apologetics for your Bible and your arguments over the canon. And you say, no, I'm just, you should be after God. You should say, I want to find him. They bear witness to him. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Because it's life in Christ, not life in the Bible, not life in this church. I do not receive the glory from man, from men. But I know that you have not the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, and this is where we, we're all so cynical. You know, how do you believe in Jesus, for heaven's sake, it's just a bunch of people saying stuff a couple thousand years ago? I don't know if you knew this, but my psych professor told me that wasn't true. <laughs> if another comes in his own name, name him you will receive. How can you believe who receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Some of them consider that phrase because, remember, we're in a world with this, that, and in-between. The in-between is filled with all the way down to things unheard, radio waves right going through your body right now. Do you realize your body is being filled with all the telephone conversations looking for a cell tower and spending time in your body that you can't hear. And all the radio stations, you remember radio, doing the same thing. That's just... We know that the scriptures can become that background noise that isn't eternal life. Bible teachers can be that noise. I was, I was thinking about the distinction between Christ is the voice of God Rather than the word, because sometimes we can we can get all very uh, we get all very pious about things like the word. He's the voice of God. He's what God has said into the in between between man and God. And eternal life is in Him. The judgment, the creation, the honor of God is all in Christ. And we will pay more attention to the currently popular Bible teacher than Jesus Christ. Because currently Bible, popular Bible teachers will tell us often how wrong Jesus Christ was about this, whatever that was. He said something. Well, I don't think he was probably well informed about the direction of culture and society. We receive glory from one another. We we prop up. Remember, you have no existence that you can measure without a choice about who you believed from the in-between. That's all you have. 
Uh, you, you know I'm a subjective objectivist. I believe there's an objective that, and I believe this is a subjective this, and this will never be anything but a subjective this. So whatever I believe is what I did with that in-between, what I did with that communication. God didn't just make you and the world around you. He didn't just exist before it and then make it. He made the communion between everything. That's what language is. And language makes that communion possible, especially when we're in groups of people. We all have ears. We all have voices. We all get together with people who speak our language, and we talk about things we're interested in, the same subjects. We are all making the choice all the time about whether we hear the word of God. And so the question is, um, what do you do in your, with your time? Yeah, you, I, 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 I'm a, I have a talking ministry, hospitality, talking, sitting on the porch. One of the worst things that can happen is another conversation. You're talking about something important, and somebody starts talking about some new hip-hop song over on the side of the conversation to somebody else in the room. Or some other aspect of pop culture, or a meme they just saw, and they think they're being low, low-voiced, and you can't not hear them. You're at the concert hall, and the greatest symphony ever written is being played, and some group of millennials are talking, maybe on their phone, speaker phone. What could be worse? We know perfectly well that if we just set up a situation where the real was coming at you in a voice through the in-between to your senses, the noise of life, in some cases you wouldn't mind having them hung by the neck till dead for having disturbed your conversation. Because some women will do that. Somebody will say something. Did you hear so-and-so had a baby? And every woman's ear in the room just goes off to that. They might have been interested in the subject matter, the nature of human reason and language. But a baby or fabric. It could be fabric. Well, I don't fault them for being interested in toothpaste or fabric or babies. But you know what that's like. The noise of life. You're going to have to not just make a decision about who you're going to listen to. You're going to have to fight to get at it. The whole universe is declaring the glory of God. Our Christ declared the glory of God. The voice of God has gone out through the whole earth. And we are having a conversation on the side about babies or music or something that is not as important. Oh, you could talk about less important things sometimes, but does your conversation, does your in-between recognize the actual ordinate value of God himself above all as a that, that which I must pursue? Now, do not think I shall accuse you to the Father. It is Moses who accuses you. On whom you have set your hope. If you believed Moses, you would believe me. If you believed really anything you really rationally saw, you would believe in God. You would find God underneath everything. The babies, the music, 
everything would lead you to God. I have over on the side earlier portion of John 5 that I couldn't fit on the page, but I wanted to bring it up here at the end. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne witness to his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Now, this is what you need to be assured of, is that in the in-between that's coming at you, when you attend to what God has said, and you hear what God has said, and you have believed what God has said, and you have understood, you did not shut it down with the noise of your life. You have a testimony in yourself. He who does not believe God has made him a, does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne to his son. It's rather stark. Do you believe? Don't you believe? And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. So if you're going to check about your perceptions in this world, check to see whether or not what you have is life eternal. Check. Would you call what you're doing and being and existing in and pursuing life eternal? Because that's what Christ has given. That's the testimony he has given to you. The testimony that assures you that when you look at things, you're measuring them at least in the right ballpark. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who has not the son has not life. It's like rules, people. Right? Don't. He who believes in the Bible has life? No. He who is a Presbyterian, a Methodist, a Baptist? No. Who has believed the son? If you have the son, life. If you don't, no, life. I write this to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Got it? It's not, right, the last comment I made down at the bottom, it's not just what he says, it's that he says it. Find him. If you measure him, and you measure your pursuit religiously as the pursuit of the God, you want to become a religious man who serves a God, not just a player in the Sunday club who does all the right things by whatever the radical Anabaptists are up to. Find him. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, your voice has gone out into all the earth. We have heard, we have not always understood. We have seen, we have not perceived. We ask that we would start breaking through the the noise that is keeping us from seeing your word, the power of it in this world. In your son's name we pray, amen.